God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Is baby tie-tie today? Baby tie-tie. Yeah. Baby gets tie-tie. Baby tie-tie, all the tie-tie. Yeah. My favorite thing is when people come up to me and they go, man, you look tired. Yeah. I'm like, not only do I look tired, am tired, am exhausted. Well, it's a really rude thing to say to somebody. Yes, I may look tired. Don't say it. Because guess, no. guess who knows what I look like and feel like? Me. Because I am me. I live inside of me. Yeah. You know what makes somebody feel better? Hey, you look sexy. Yeah, you look good. You look well-rested. You look sexy. Are you sexy? Yeah, I am. That's why I look it. I had a friend that worked in politics, and he told me, he was like, what you do is, anytime you meet somebody, when, you, when they say, hey, I'm so-and-so, you always say, oh, I've heard great things about the work you're doing. I've heard really good things about you. Even if it's not true. Yeah. Because it just makes everybody blossom like a flower. Yeah. Why not make everybody blossom like a flower instead of crumple like a withered leaf on a tree? Well, people want you to look tired. They like that you look tired. It confirms something about their own horrible tiredness. And everyone wants to be in the, everyone wants other people in the misery club. Yeah. Not me, though. Everybody. What's that song by, uh, that Atlanta-based group, Outcast, And the whole world loves it when you get the blues or whatever. I don't know what it is. I just know when he says that roses really smell like boo-boo. I know you like to think your shit don't stink, but lean a little bit closer. Roses really smell like boo-boo. That's the chorus. Well, here's what those guys did. Ka-ching! They made a few dollars in their day. Made a few dollars, blew a few hoes. They did blow some hose, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Atlanta hose. It's one of the things I like about Post Malone so much is he he sings about all the things that rappers sing about, like drugs, and he sings about hoes a lot. In fact, in one of his songs, he talks about boobies. But he does it in such a sweet way and kind of a sad way. Right. Where he's he's like the guy at the party, but he's kind of sad. Like Dan Belzerian is, as far as I'm concerned, king of the earth. Yeah. Now, does he have money troubles? Is he secretly going bankrupt and is his Ignite company failing and everyone loves to just pronounce ruin on him. But it doesn't look like he's doing too bad to me. Looks like he's having a lot of fun. I mean, even if he's hiring those women to stand around him in bikinis or not where even even bikinis is too much sometimes in those photos. They're like, oh, this is too much clothing, this string. Right. Let me get it away from my body. Let me get this string out of my ass. Hold my boob with my small tiny hand and uh even if he's paying for that hurrah 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 yeah good for him so i saw an article that was like uh over the weekend leonardo dicaprio entertained several women on his boat in the uh capri islands and i thought nah good for him what's the problem hurrah 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 we're having a good time well, he just decided, like, I'm too rich, I'm too famous, no one will ever love me for who I am, because I don't know who I am, because I've had to empty myself for almost three decades to be, you know, to play the characters that America has grown to love. Right. So I'm going to try to make the, I'm going to try to fight against climate, you know, issues. I'm going to do a lot of good work for the planet, and I'm just going to hang out with escorts. Those are the two things he does now. Dude. If you can't fight climate change, you certainly can't fight the fucking tidal wave of Poonan that that is coming his way. 
that's like a central that's talk about global warming. He can't control that. Well, what are his options? Is he going to find true love? I don't think he I don't think he can. Who's he going to fall in love with? I think he found true love on that yacht with those three <laughs> ladies. Here's the thing. The only other kind of person he could possibly find true love with, and I mean it, is someone as famous as him. And what are the possibilities of those two insane celebrities finding true love with each other? She's off doing her crazy thing because she's been made mad and insane by her fame. And so is he. So he's smart. He just he he closed up shop. He boarded up the true love shop. He needs to do what Al Pacino did and find a lovely lady in Sicily to marry, like George Clooney, like his pal Clooney did. What did Clooney do? He married some lady. Like a, a normie? A civilian? Yeah, but I mean, she's also like, I think she does like humanitarian work or something. She's no slouch. Yeah, she's she does good stuff too, but she's not a famous person. Well... She's famous now. Right. Well, now she's George Clooney's wife. He was, wasn't he like the most eligible bachelor for like 75 years? Yeah. He, he, they got married on the 75th anniversary of him being the most eligible bachelor. Wow. In Italy. Italians don't care if you're old. Well, cause there's romance in it. You can be like 85 and still have a number one hit on Italian radio. They don't give a fuck. They're not as preoccupied with like youth and beauty. No, they don't give a shit over there, dude. Dude, one thing the Italians don't give is a fuck about anything. Have you ever seen what they wear? What do they wear? Gold, mainly gold. <laughs> and then when they're not wearing gold, it's platinum. And then when they're not wearing platinum, they're wearing they're wearing very little of anything. Just like a spaghetti thong gold lame spaghetti thong and this is a dude right don't even get me started on the ladies sometimes the ladies will just crochet their titty hair into like a tiny bikini <laughs> and pretend that they're wearing a bikini when it's really just knitted nipple hair so they're craftspeople <laughs> yeah they're fucking dude it's important to master fucking crafts was invented in Italy, mostly crocheting pubic hair. It's important to master a trade. Masturbate to a trade while you're mastering it. <laughs> Dude, the Italians, man. I have to say one thing about the Italians, man. They know how to live life. Do they know how to make a car? Yeah. Do they know how to make a purse? Yeah. Do they know how to make a pair of fucking shoes? Yeah. Do they know how to wear a fucking gold lame string thong? Yeah. They know what they're doing, dude. Don't you go to Italy every year? I went to Rome this last year, and I have to say, I fucked up by not going to Rome earlier. That's the best place. Never been. I've been to Milan. That's it. I hear Milan's pretty cool, too. It was really great. Had a great time. I will say, of all the places that I've gone to, Rome's the number one stunner. And then maybe Berlin is the number two. But, you know, New York, of course. It's hard to beat New York. Would you put Berlin up there with the Londons and the New Yorks? Is Berlin like that? I put Berlin ahead of London. It's hard to put any city in front of New York. New York's pretty good. But I would I would say Rome. 
I would put Rome in front of Dean. I was in Germany. I was in Rammstein and Stuttgart. And we were just too far away to try to get to anywhere cool. Like, it felt so weird to be that close to, like, Munich or Berlin, like a seven-hour train ride, and not be able to go. Right. Felt like a real missed opportunity. Well, they have this thing called airplanes. You could be there, like, in half a day. I guess that's true. It is a real crapshoot getting in a plane nowadays. The chances of you getting to your destination by way of the original route, about 50-50. And those aren't good odds. Me and Isabel were flying. We were in the Dallas airport on the day after Christmas, on the day of the Great Southwest meltdown. And it was it was a very interesting day. We were flying to Birmingham because that's where my family was. We were flying back to Birmingham to finish out the holidays. And we were one of the last flights that made it out of there. They canceled like 30 flights that day. People were very upset. Yeah, I know people that got caught in that. But even if you weren't caught in that, I mean, I can't tell you the last time I booked a flight and it left when it said it was going to leave, got there when it said it was going to get there, and everything worked out fine. It's always something. Like even when I just went flying yesterday and, you know, something as small as like a gate change. Oh, your gate's moved. Oh, shit. Where is it? Oh, it's just moved from 22 to 20. But now that you, once you've been stung a few times, you know, you get that post-traumatic stress disorder. And as soon as you hear that fucking, hey, everybody, if you're on flight, whatever, go fuck yourself. Right. It's bad news. I did. I did have the thing yesterday where they're like, oh, we booked one too many people on this flight. <laughs> We'll give you 500 bucks if you want to go tomorrow or maybe the next day. We might have a flight tomorrow, but it'll probably be two days. Nobody took that one. Then a few minutes later, we'll give you $900. I was like, damn, I could use $900. Yeah, they keep up in that price. Eventually, somebody's going to bite. Is it $900 or is it $900 worth of like air flying shit? It's $900 on a visa. What? I know. Plus, they put you up in a hotel. Plus, you know, they're flying you home. It was a pretty nice deal. And I didn't really have anything going on. But I was kind of ready to get home, too. We've done that. We did it once. Um, this was a long time ago before the, the current, before the great troubles. But it was like, yeah, 400 bucks a piece. And they put us in a hotel. And we were like, ah, fuck it. Me and Isabel, this is before we had a kid. It was nice. And you made 800 bucks. Um, but people were very upset. People were crying. The, the gate agents, every gate in the wing, we were at Love Field, the smaller airport in Dallas, and every gate had a line of people that was two to four hours long. And the gate agents were coming on because, you know, the gate agents like the frontline workers. None of this is their fault. They don't have any answers. They don't have any power to help you. They're getting paid the least and they're receiving all of the anger. So they quit giving a shit early. So they're on, they're coming. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Southwest, this is Southwest gate agent, uh, Harold. Uh, listen, we don't have anything for you. We don't have any answers for you. We don't even, he, I, this one guy said this. He said, we don't even have a smile for you today. Ah. So you're, he said that. He said, so you're going to wait. He goes, so you're going to wait in line for four hours just to get up here for me to tell you I can't help you. So if you live in the Dallas area, you need to go home now. 
we're not booking any more flights until after the new year. This is on December 26th. Jesus. He said they didn't even have a smile left, dude. They were just completely ground down. Dude, those people were ground the fuck down, dude. When Southwest doesn't even have a smile for you, they're ground out. Well, to not have the smile and to let you know that no smile's coming. There's no smile in the future for you. <laughs> not only do we not have any flights for your ass, there'll be no smiles for your ass either, bitch. So don't come up here and expect that Southwestern charm because there'll be none. We're like, yeah, but aren't you going to sing a song or do something wacky and quirky? They're like, I might stab you with a fork from Chick-fil-A. Oh my so dude, God. we're like we were we were delayed like six hours, and I'm I'm in that point where I'm debating like because we're in Dallas, right? And I've we had a good time. Oh, so you so you were you got out, but you were also delayed. We were delayed, and the guy so they they played the game, you know, where they're like, we don't. So here's what happened: they had the plane, they had the pilots, they even had some of the crew, but they couldn't they couldn't sign the crew into their like system to like clear the crew to fly. So everyone's kind of just sitting there and everyone's ready to go, but no one can go. So people are getting kind of nuts. So it's like a software malfunction. Exactly. And so the, there was a guy next to me and we're flying to Alabama. Keep that in mind. And so the guy next to me is like, yeah, my flight to New Orleans is we're on like hour six. They're, they're going to just eventually tell you that they're not going to fly. I'm looking at the big screen and it's just these red lines through every flight, which means, by the way, canceled. So I told Isabel, I was like, you know, let's go rent a car. I'll drive. If we start, because yeah. it was a sunny day, it was noon. Uh, I was like, let's rent a car right now. I'll drive all eight hours. I don't give a fuck. I just want to get moving. I just hated sitting there. Yeah, I'd rather drive for eight hours than hang out on an airport for eight hours. Well, just the thought of sitting there for six hours, then being told, we're, and by the way, it's canceled. Right. We could be halfway home. But we they eventually found a crew that they got in, and we were one of the last flights out. And people were crying. I went to the Chick-fil-A while we were delayed. Everyone in line at Chick-fil-A and the whole Chick-fil-A also melting down. It was just like carnage, human carnage. We get on the plane. Everyone's like real grateful. Some off-duty like crew person, flight attendant dude, showed up in his street clothes and just did, did the flight for us. So everyone's like clapping for him and shit. And when we got home to the Birmingham airport, as soon as we get off the gate, everyone's upset. People are crying. People are screaming. Two dudes were screaming at each other. People are drunk. I was like, man, it was just a wild day in America, it felt like. Well, yeah. I mean, even yesterday when we were checking our bags, the computers were running really slow. And the lady's like, yeah, the com computers are running really slow. I'm like, computers don't run slow. <laughs> they run at one speed super fast. <laughs> so I don't, uh, you know what I mean? Like, what the hell does that even mean? They're running slow. Oh, that computer didn't get its Wheaties today. It's a little right. sluggish. It's a little low energy. Well, where were you flying from? Where'd you go? Oh, I went up. I was uh, in upstate New York hanging out for a couple days and uh, with some friends and got there and got back all in one piece. And again, delayed a little bit on the way back gate change on the way there so nothing very benign little changes but once you've been i've been stranded twice in the last six months where i had to spend the night at a holiday and you know get two and a half hours of sleep wake up at 4 a.m go back to the airport hopefully get on a plane 
So once you've done that a couple times, you know, you just think that's always going to happen. It's like once you've been mugged. Yeah. Well, I always, uh, it, it's similar to when you see a spider in the shower. The next 20 showers are different. Yeah. Next 20 showers, you you got a little chip on your shoulder. You're looking for a spider. But then eventually, you sort of just acclimate to it and forget there ever was a spider. One time, Isabel and I, this is before we had kids. We just moved to Nashville. We were taking a trip to New York, not for work. Waited all day, all day. Delayed, delayed, delayed. Finally, at the end of the day, flight's canceled. We're going to have to come back tomorrow. Okay. Bummer. Get back home. Next morning, start the whole process over. Delay, 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 delay. Okay. People are getting pissed. We finally get on the plane. Everyone's like, all right, well, here we go. We fly to New York City. But we're not landing. Notice that we're not landing. Oh, oh no. Pilot comes on. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, there's a weather storm. A lot of planes are up here in the sky queuing to land. And we've kind of crunched all the numbers and we don't have enough fuel to keep doing this. And our literally our only option is to fly back to Nashville. Right. And, and I swear to God, people were just openly sobbing on the plane. We flew back to Nashville. It was an hour and a half. No, let me tell you my story. I was flying like somewhere to somewhere. It doesn't matter. Let's just say it was Austin to Atlanta. But it wasn't quite that far. It was. It might have been like Nashville to Atlanta. So what's that, like an hour and a half flight, something like that? No, Nashville to Atlanta is short. Well, 40 minutes. Maybe it was a, it's about a two-hour flight. So we're two-hour flight, get up in the air. We're going to land. Oh, we're, we're doing our initial descent into Atlanta. All of a sudden, plane turns around. Uh, can't land. Bad weather. Heading back. Yeah, that's what we did. Hour and a half in the air, get back, land. Don't don't let us out the plane. They're like, we're going to refuel and we're going to head back. Looks like the weather's cleared. So now we've been on the plane for, I don't like being on a plane. Right. Now we've been on the plane for three million years. Get back up into the sky, fly for another two hours. By the way, when they're having weather events where you can't land, guess how smooth that ride is. For Mr. Uh, Scaredy Pants. Right, not smooth. It's like a fucking carnival ride called, hey, let's give this guy a nervous breakdown. So what's going on in your head? How do you how do you self-soothe in those situations? You can't. You just you just deal with you, it. You just so, endure. Then we get back over there and I'm like, please fucking land. And we go to land, and right before we're about to land, plane pulls up. I'm like, motherfucker. We pull up, do a loop, come back, and land. Wow. Thank God. What was the vibe on the plane like? Vibe was happy. When we landed, everybody was clapping and cheering. No, I mean, I mean during all the rigmarole. You're going, it was you're not descending, good. you're coming back up. Were people like getting upset? Oh, and the other thing that happened that I forgot was, so when we get back, to, they actually, no, here's what happened. I don't know what happened. Now I'm starting to make it up like that guy who thought he was getting shot at, who then got canceled from the evening news. At some point, we I guess we were let off the plane when we went back. They were like, hey, you can get off the plane. It's going to be like an hour. And we got off the plane. And then like five minutes later, they're like, oh, get on the plane. Get on the plane. Meanwhile, everybody's gone. And we get on the and we're we didn't go far, so we're like back on the plane. Now people are like expecting to be like a, for it to be an hour and then we're having a hard time getting people back on the plane. Who 
I'm, I don't mean to interrupt your story, but you got me thinking about that news anchor. Because at first, Brian, I was like, who, Brian Williams. Brian, I forgot about that. He like lied about being in combat or something, right? He was on a fucking helicopter and he told a story about being shot at in the helicopter while he was doing a story. And then it turned out that the helicopter had never been shot at. But it had happened 10 years previously, and he'd told the story so many times. Eventually, he started embellishing it and saying that people had been shooting at him. And so in his brain, that was something that really happened. He wasn't lying about it. He had just changed the story in his brain, which is how all memory is. All memory is just a story that you're telling yourself. That's why, like, that chick who said that Woody Allen molested her. she's just been telling herself that story since she was six and now she's 30. So she thinks that's what's happened, but it, it didn't, it's just a story. Well, yeah, there's a great David Shields quote that says that anything that passes through memory is fiction. Yeah. I mean, obviously some things are less fiction than others, but yeah, it's something that happened to Brian Williams 10 years ago. And then he got, they were like, Hey, that didn't happen. And he's like, Oh, I, I really, truly remember it that way. And they're like, well, you're not going to be the anchor now uh, on the, uh, that was at the beginning of cancel culture. Like, what was that? Like five years ago when everything, it was like one of the first big things that happened. Yeah. It says during the January 30th, 2015 embassy nightly news broadcast, Brian Williams referred to a terrible moment a dozen years back during the invasion of Iraq when the helicopter we were traveling in was forced down after being hit by an RPG. Williams later said he was not in the helicopter that was hit, but in the helicopter directly behind it. But then the pilots of Williams' helicopter say their chopper was not directly behind the hit, Chinook, but in a different company altogether. Right. He also, I guess, had a lie about SEAL Team 6. Do you know about this? Uh -uh. He said that he had, quote unquote, the great honor of flying into Baghdad with SEAL Team 6 at the start of the war. A Special Operations Command spokesman told Huffington Post, we do not embed journalists with this or any other unit that conducts counterterrorism missions. Uh, Then he also had a thing about the Berlin Wall. He said he was at the Brandenburg Gate the night the Berlin Wall came down. The night the wall came down is widely recognized as November 9th, 1989, and NBC News sources in a position to no confirm, blah, blah, blah. He arrived the day after the wall came down. So I guess he kind of has a little bit of a track record for what we call in the business punching up a story. Yeah. Which, I, you know, I'm not a journalist, so like my entire political or my entire, you know, vocational Merit isn't based on like the closest scrutiny of truth. Um, I'm in the entertainment business where we punch the stories up. <laughs> Dude, I've never, there's no, there's no song. If you're tr- looking to create an autobiography of me by looking at my songs, good luck. Because <laughs> that shit's all made up. I know. It's, well, because I know what your life's really like. You know, your life is like my life. You wake up and you make a coffee and you try to deal with your, you know, kids and your marriages and you, you pay your bills and you walk, take walk. No one, that stuff's boring, dude. Punch them up. Become a hero. Make yourself a hero. Oh, yeah. Did you ever see that Bukowski documentary called Born Into This? No, but I. he's famous for quoting, like, one of his famous quotes is like, hey, I'm the hero of my stories. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Like, he was on some plane when a journalist was traveling with him writing a piece about him. And they both wrote about that plane ride. <laughs> Bukowski, he's like having cocktails with the flight attendants, smoking. And he's got a he's he's cor- got a whole corral around him, and he's the king of the hill, and he's telling stories, big hero. 
And the journalist is like, dude, you were like a drunk womanizing, passed out, yellow teeth old man. And he was like, hey, baby, I'm the hero of my story. <laughs> you write, rewrite whatever you want. Yeah. And that is the correct. That's correct. Now, can you do that if you're a journalist? No. 100% if Bukowski was alive today, would have, like, canceled. they would have tried to cancel him. Because <laughs> yeah. definitely he would have said something untoward towards someone. He would have made a pass at some lady, and he's an ugly, ugly man. And he would have been, you know, somebody had been in the news. Oh, he tried to, he tried to come on to me. Your friend uh, Adam Temple is kind of a Bukowski esque character. Yes, he very much is. Isn't he? He is. And he's kind of a genius like that as well. I mean, he plays guitar, but yeah, he's he's very much, he's just like Bukowski. I wonder if he read a lot of Bukowski and he kind of found a kindred spirit to model himself after, or if they're just two unique dudes that are cut from that cloth. Adam is one of those guys who just does his own fucking thing yeah he's he's quite a quite a quite a person what's he up to now i don't know i don't i can't really hang out with him he's horrible to hang out with when he's when he's drunk which i think is most of the time i get a lot of uh i get a lot of text messages from him what what do those say well if i had my phone on i mean i could tell you but it's i don't think he has an iphone so it won't show up on my messages but there's a band called Lucero that we toured with last year, and the bass player is a real kind of Bukowski-esque character named John C. And I will occasionally get texts from him that are have nothing to do with me. Uh, he's talking to somebody else, having a conversation that I don't know about, but he'll shoot me those kinds of texts. It reminds me maybe of what Adam's text might be like. No. I mean, Adam's texts are... Yeah. If I had them on me, maybe we'll do a... Maybe in the Secret Weekly, I'll go grab my phone and that's what we'll do in the secret weekly. We'll go through some of his texts. <laughs> <laughs> I was sure about to say, maybe about, there's a story about that. Well, there is a story I was going to maybe think for you to tell in the secret weekly about him and a waitress at a restaurant one time or at a show. Something that he did with his hand to her, but I don't even oh, know if we can. Even I don't say think that, that was a waitress. Oh, just a friend a, to somebody. I think that was just some random stranger. <laughs> so, I can't I can't repeat that story even in the secret weekly. Or maybe we could read some of his poetry. His poetry is so far out. Yeah, I put I put a bunch of his poetry together in, in a book to give to him as a present and the the title of it was To the Tits, Fat Boy <laughs> which is a direct quote of his. That was one that's, of his favorite things to say. That's basically dialogue from a Disney movie compared to some stuff that's in some of his poetry. Oh my god. His poetry is wild. Yeah, he hasn't been sending in any poetry in quite some time. I used to kind of take I used to take his texts and kind of just turn them in not turn them into poems, but just like send them out as as a poem. Cuz they're kind of poetic in their weird strange way. One of the things I was doing for a couple months that you inspired me to do it because you were taking like popular pop songs and kind of distilling them into like poetry language. Uh-huh. And I started going to the misconnect or the rants and raves section of Craigslist. Have you ever checked the rants and raves section out of Craigslist? Uh-uh. It's, it's just insane people talking to nobody. And it's just them ranting about it's mostly racist 
or political or homophobic, but I was going and taking some of the rants and raves from Craigslist and turning those into poems. Oh, nice. Which the Austin rants and raves is probably mostly Adam Temple. Probably. Well, I'm interested to hear his text. So let's kick to the Secret Weekly. Thanks for listening. Hope everyone's having a good new year out there. You can write in bobandclint at gmail.com and you can join us in the Secret Weekly by supporting us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash IOK. We'll head there now. We'll see you next week. Peace. Bye. (laughs) 